Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Crypto the Unexplained. I am your host, Peyton Payne, your tour guide down the ever-expanding rabbit hole. We have a great topic today, a great discussion lined up. I'm going to be joined in studio with a good friend of mine, Jeremiah, who is actually a police officer. So he's going to be giving us some, some great insight into what it's like to be a police officer. We're going to be talking about current world events and uh, going to be diving into some false flag operations and some stuff like that. It's going to be a good time. Before we get into that, though, I'd like to tell everybody to go and follow us on X at CT Unexplained. That is at CT Unexplained on X or Twitter. And if you yourself have a firsthand encounter or story or confession of some sort that you would like to tell, share, or get off your chest, you can email me at cryptotheunexplained at gmail.com. Tell me your story, and we will see about getting you on the show to where you can share it now. As far as today's episode goes, like I said, going to be joined in studio by Jeremiah, who is sitting here right next to me. Jeremiah, how you doing? I'm doing wonderful. How are you, man? I am I am fantastic. I'm ready to dive into today's discussion. Now, as I said, I just told the people, the listeners, you are a police officer. So why don't you kind of start out, how long have you been a police officer? What is it like on a daily basis? I mean, what what goes into being a police officer? Well, I've been in law enforcement since 2007. I started out in corrections. I've actually, <clears throat> excuse me, made my way back into corrections now. Uh, I guess I'm slowing down a little bit in my career. Um, more focused on helping others in different ways. But the majority of it was spent as a road officer. And uh, it's a, it's, every day is different, man. Every day is truly one of those jobs where you just don't know what's going to happen. Um, and that's, I've lived it many times. Uh, I've seen too many different things. Um, it gives you a different perspective. Sometimes people think that I come across as ruthless almost, but it's not. It's just uh, my way of dealing with things and internally processing things is different because the average person sees maybe one or two traumatic incidents in their lifetime. I've seen one or two a month for years and years. You know, I've seen <clears throat> suicides, homicides, just heinous crimes of all different types of natures. And, uh, you know, I've got a lot of stories to share as a result of that. A lot of memories, some good some not so good, uh, but a lot of it, you know, can be relatable to, uh, you know, how we are today as a society and things I see and my knowledge and stuff like that. So, you know, when you told me about this, this was a freaking fantastic opportunity. I was completely on board with it and was eager to be here. And here we are. Yeah. And you, you sent me a list a very long list of topics that you would love to discuss, and we're, we're really only going to hit the tip of the iceberg today. I mean, yeah. I have no doubt that we will have you back on the show to go over a lot of the stuff that you mentioned to me because I myself want to dive in to a lot of the topics that you sent. We're going to start uh, today, you know, like I know we're going to go over some some false flag incidents and even just kind of talk about 
what's happening in the world now. Uh, one of the things that I would love to get your your take on right out of the bat, and honestly, this could be considered a false flag operation if you really want to go into it, is the first episode we did uh, on this show was about this recent incident at the Miami Bayside Mall. And I know that you actually messaged me about it, asking yep. me about it. And I would love to get your opinion um, from someone who has been in law enforcement. What is your take on the response to the Miami Mall incident, you know, where some people claim that there was portals opening up or, you know, 10 to 10 foot tall creatures that appeared. The story that was given on the news was kids with sticks and fireworks. But I mean, over like a hundred police officers were sent. The, the, the Miami airport was shut down. There was a Blackhawk PD chopper in the air. Comms were turned off. Police scanners were turned off. It just seemed very excessive and overkill to me to be kids fighting with sticks and turn and uh, shooting off fireworks. So you being someone that's been in law enforcement, what is your take on that? Is Was that normal? Is it not normal? I mean, what what is your opinion? Well, it's kind of even more interesting because not only do I have a law enforcement perspective, but I know exactly where that area is. Um, I, as a child, I grew up in Broward County. So Miami-Dade, Broward County, South Florida. I know it pretty well. And I know that was Biscayne Boulevard where that happened. And I know about major metropolitan cities and I know about police responses. Um, that being said, in all my years of experience, I've never heard of anything that would warrant that kind of police presence that wasn't something that was a bona fide, certified, what the average person would say, CNN breaking news, CBS evening news breaking news type story. Kids lighting fireworks, fighting. I don't care if there's 500 kids. You're not going to get that kind of a police response. You know, that was almost every officer that they had in their entire city. And, you know, Miami's a one of the biggest cities in the country, you know? So for that to be that kind of response immediately, when I saw it, I said, without even hearing the stuff about the airport, without even hearing the stuff about the paranormal or the unexplained, even I knew right away, Hey, something doesn't add up. Something does not make sense with this. And the more you hear, the more you start to question. So, <clears throat> my only real takeaway is with everything we have in today's world, you cannot do anything without somebody having a phone on you. If you go to a McDonald's or something right now around the corner, you get in an argument with somebody, somebody's going to record that. Some That's just how we are now. And you're telling me there's no footage other than a little bit of graininess from a helicopter or an above shot. That's the kind of stuff that doesn't add up. You know, where that's the kind of stuff that's like, it's probably been there, but people underestimate how quickly the government can scrub things. Absolutely. And I believe that's exactly what you're looking at. Regardless of what it might have been, whether it is extraterrestrials or whatever it might be, 
they got rid of it. They cleaned it up real quick. And the police presence that you saw was more or less the buffer to keep everybody out of the way. Yeah, and and the thing you know is the turning off of uh, the turning off of the police scanners and stuff like that. I just don't believe that they would do that if it was just kids shooting off fireworks. Yeah. That just seems very abnormal to me. And it is. It's even if it was an active shooter, because I try to justify it internally in my mind. And I said, let's say it's an active shooter at a mall. You and I and everybody, you don't have to be a police officer, have seen enough active shooters now. Yeah, absolutely. We live in a world where that's a fairly common thing, which we can get into because I believe a lot of those tie into what we're talking about. Um, you don't get that kind of response. You get a town, you know, a, a, a good chunk handful yes you'll get a lot i'm not taking away from it i know like in my county alone if it happened every officer that would be available but even then let's say if that maxes out that's 30 to 40 for an entire county centered in one area um you bigger cities that we see it happen in, you get your swat teams you get your highway patrol your state police and you get you know a massive contingent of that but for it to be just a lot of police cruisers and for it to be like upwards of 100, 150 of those cars out there like that, it just didn't add up to me. No, I wasn't was, seeing the right kind of vehicles, the right kind of setups, the right kind of indicators odd. that told me like, okay, this is kind of some kind of situation. You know, this is like a something like that. And if it is kids throwing stuff around, why is there no footage of it? Even the footage I saw looked almost like stock footage from something else. It did. The only the only footage that I saw was um it was from the local the local media there and it was, you know, a bunch of teenagers and it looked like they were beating up one other kid and that is literally the only clip that I can find. There's no aerial footage from this helicopter of fireworks exploding in the sky or anything like that and if you know they say that oh they were shooting these fireworks off enough to warrant shutting down the miami international airport which is almost a 16 minute drive from this mall i'm thinking like they were shooting off bazooka sized fireworks and there's not one video clip of any sort of firework being launched into the air over this mall. Well, and it's funny, you said 16-minute drive. So you people that haven't ever been have to take into consideration cities like Miami. Uh, and I've lived out in Washington, D.C. for a while. I've been to New York, Chicago. Cities like that, whatever you see as a drive, you usually have to just say, okay, what is it in Miami time? I can tell you from experience getting from point A to point B in Miami, you have to add almost 20, 30 minutes to wherever you're looking at because of traffic and, and just the fact that it's a major mega city. It's just how it works. So you may have very well been a more like a 45 minute to an hour drive to that airport, even longer if you're discussing the the Fort Lauderdale airport, which is north of there. And uh, for that to be shut down, for everything to go radio silent, just, I mean, nothing from it adds up. 
you know, and that seems to be the common theme with everything lately is nothing is just black and white. Nothing adds up and more and more people are seeing it. And I've been this way a long time. I've always been a skeptic. I'm, I'm not bragging on myself. I'm very intelligent because I would sit as a kid and read encyclopedias and long before cell phones where you had to read books to learn. Um, and I always had a keen interest in history and a lot of things I've looked at in history where I believed one thing. Yes, it's the same, but it's the digging underneath more where you find out. Yeah, you can't take anything at face value in this day and age. That's why I tell everybody, you know, you can't just get your information from, oh, I read an article on USA Today. Or I watched CNN for a few hours because you're not going to get the full picture. You're not going to be given the information that you need. And who's to say that information is even correct? I mean, the media, whether people want to believe it or not, the truth is the media, especially the mainstream media, lies constantly. And the proof is there. It's not that hard to figure out that they're lying. Yeah, the media itself has always been an agent of chaos for perpetuating what the government and the higher up powers that be, whatever you want to call them, whatever they got going on, the media is there to twist the story. And nowadays with social media, any rando that's got a little bit of a notable platform can tell you like, hey, this is how this went. That's it. Nothing to see move along and a lot of people just follow and check right in like sheep okay i believe that that makes sense they don't even take the time to say wait a minute are you are you absolutely sure like i can remember you know and i know we can touch base on this but i was old enough i was 13 when 9 11 happened and i can remember immediately thereafter the first couple years the people that were the conspiracy theorists were viewed like like a leper colony. Yeah, the, almost almost evil in a like they were almost viewed as like, "Oh, how could you even right. think that way? And you're you're yourself a, or a traitor." And now it's almost like somewhat common theory like, "Yeah, well, we probably had something to do with it, but meh. Like meh." Yeah, what do you like? Three thousand yeah. people, nearly like nearly three thousand people, lost their lives. Like the world changed, and you're just like, oh, okay. Well, well maybe that might happen. More than just three thousand people, because you have to look at the aftermath of what came out of nine eleven. I mean, we went into a war that we shouldn't have gone into. We at, at first we attacked the wrong country, and the the countless lives of innocent people. Um, both Americans and the countries that we went and attacked, th- th- I mean, way more than 3,000 people died as a result of 9-11, coming out of 9-11 in the wars. And th- you want to talk about false flags. 9-11, in my opinion, is is potentially the biggest false flag operation ever. I mean, just because of the success of how it was done and what came out of it and how long we were in it. It, And people to this day 
still firmly believe that the story that was told, I mean, yeah, people are opening up to it a little bit more as more truth comes out. And there is a lot of evidence to support the conspiracy side of it. I myself, I'm like, to me, it's not even a theory anymore. It's, it's conspiracy realist now. I mean, it's hard to argue that 9-11 was not an inside job. I have always been of the opinion for years now that there are your very, very far out there people that believe like it was all shadow figures and these people live on an island somewhere and blah, blah, blah. It's pretty hard to duplicate some of the footage that you've seen and do some of this stuff. What really, truly, in my heart, I believe is, did it happen? Yes. Did it happen by who they said did it? Yes. Here's where we divert, though. Did we know about it in advance? Yes. I have heard from reliable sources in my life that have military access that they knew about it, that they knew about it the day before, that they knew about it, that it was coming. It was there, you know. And then how come nobody went to work on that whole one side of the Pentagon the day that that happened. If anybody, like, sees those footage, like, they just think that the Pentagon's this building that, like, you know, it sits outside of Washington, D.C., and it's, like, right in the middle of nowhere. No, the Pentagon is, like, surrounded by a maze of highways, and it's tucked down kind of in off the side of just off the Potomac River. When I was out there living, I kept looking at it as I would drive by it every day. Because every day I was going to work, I would drive by it. And every time I'd pass it, I kept thinking to myself, do you know what kind of skill it would take Mm -hmm. to navigate a plane that size down in there like that over the nation's capital's airspace? Well, not only that. And not only that, but get it? precise like that yeah oh it's it would almost be i mean i've i've uh seen interviews with you know commercial airline pilots and even military pilots that that are trained professionals that fly planes of that size that go it would be almost impossible for me to do something like that that precise the movements the the coordination i mean we've all (sighs) Almost every single person here that listens, than us and anybody that's living, has ridden in a plane. And even when you're in a plane, you know how much it takes to get it to turn, and you can feel it. You can see it. Like if you're sitting and watching, they don't just flip on a dime. They. What does? What can go right up the ass of the building, with no problem? A missile. Yeah, and and I was about ready to bring that up. Is there's no doubt whatsoever, two planes did hit the twin towers. That yes. is you. That is undeniable. I I do not believe, and I will firmly state this: I do not believe that a plane hit the Pentagon. No. I do think that it was a missile. I think that it was obviously a missile. Uh, if there's actually. You know, and you just brought up it, it's it. The Pentagon is literally the most secure government building in the world, outside of the White House. Outside of the White House, and the only footage 
of that day is one grainy parking lot camera that is so blurry you can hardly see what is happening. But what you can see is the object that hits the building sure does not look like a plane to me. It looks like a missile strike. And it just so happens to hit. You brought up that everyone on that side of the building was not working that day. The part of the building that was hit just so happened to be the part of the building where they were holding all of the files for, like, finances and Mm -hmm. stuff. And, like, two days, three days before 9-11 happened, almost $3 trillion of, of United States currency vanished, gone, just poof was was just taken away and there was never any uh research done there was never a court case on what happened to this money it just vanished and was never seen again and nobody knows what happened to it yep it's so mind-boggling that people question that and if you just a lot of this isn't paranoia it's not you know, we're twisted in the mind. It's nothing like that. It's a lot of it's common sense. Break it down for me. Look at the footage. Look at the building afterwards. Then look at the World Trade Center. You're talking about the same planes, full size passenger aircrafts. Look at the holes in the World Trade Center. Think of the sheer size of the World Trade Center. Now look at the Pentagon, which is a a level to the ground type building. And look at the hole there. If a plane hit that, it would have blown out the entire side. You're talking about Pentagon? No, it would have been one side down. Mm-hmm. Not just a hole. It would have evaporated through the building. There would have been massive, massive, massive damage. Far more than just that hole like that. So... Even when I was 13, I kind of questioned, like, why didn't that look the same as this? This, I mean, a plane is a plane. If if it hits this, if it hits that, you know, the, why doesn't this kind of look the same? And so I've always kind of had that mentality of questioning things. Um, It's helped me in my job because it's helped me understand and learn and get better with things. But it's also helped me keep a level head when it comes to what we're told to believe or what we're expected to just go with and things like that. And 9-11 is the peak example of our generation, but there's so much more to it. You know, like being a 90s kid and you can watch all these documentaries now. Look at all the things that kind of led up to 9-11. Look at all, you know, there was the Oklahoma City bombing in 1994. People that don't really know anything about that, just do a little bit of digging and your mind will be blown for a lot of what gets questioned about that. And how did that come about? You see all these different things with all these different government agencies and their involvement in it. Look how they did at Waco. Look how Ruby Ridge led to, you know, was a catalyst to what ended up allegedly for the Oklahoma City bombing reasons. But, again, with a lot of bombings and shootings, 
there's your narrative that they want you to believe. And then there's the narrative that when you start to dig a little bit further, you're like, okay, I see why these players are here, but what's the true nature of the game? Yeah. Is there, is there a a reason for these things happening or is it simply to just incite panic and fear into the public? I mean, I'm sure it's a mixture of both and, you know, and then going off of the, the shootings and the bombings and stuff like that. Um, there's a whole nother rabbit hole that you can jump down of like, well, who's actually doing it? And is it, does it involve, you know, something like MK ultra, which I, I, do you know what I'm talking about when I mention MK ultra where it's, um, it is a legitimate government funded technology. They claim that it's not in use anymore, but I myself have very reliable sources from someone that is in the military that they claim, like, no, it it's still used. We still have generals that talk about it, and it's still very much on the table if need be. And it's as simple as brainwashing. I mean, that's what it is. They yeah. use frequencies. They use radio waves. They use stuff like that to brainwash an individual into doing something that they have zero control over. And that kind of goes into, I don't know if you've ever noticed, but all of these, maybe not all of them, but a lot of these bombings or shootings or anything like that, there's one repetitive quality that I myself always notice on the news media or when it comes to the people that know the bomber or the shooter. And that's, they all say, I can't believe he would do this. This wasn't like him or her. You know, yesterday we were talking about going to uh, Florida for a vacation in a couple weeks, or we were we were getting ready to have this big camping trip or this cookout, or and then all of a sudden, like at the drop of a dime, a complete and utter character shift to go and do something so insane. That it's just like that nobody even in these people's lives saw any hints of it coming whatsoever. And and that to me is a clear indication possibly of of MKUltra using brainwashing techniques to just, hey, we're going to flip a trigger and this person is basically going to be a guinea pig and go and do what we want them to do. It almost, and again, the common just narrative of people was like oh that sounds like the movie that you know like the manchurian candidate or something like no there's reasons that you see these things in hollywood where do you think a lot of these ideas come from yes some of it is fiction and writers and stuff like that but a lot of things people just don't understand until they just do some digging and kind of touching back what i said you know people like to say Epstein didn't kill himself, or I don't want to get Epstein. You talk about the Oklahoma City bombing. If people really know anything about that, Terry Yeeke, or Yeeke, and I apologize if I'm speaking out of misinterpreting his name, he didn't probably kill himself. He was the first responding sergeant for the Oklahoma City Police Department for the Oklahoma City bombing. Mm-hmm. He's actually personally responsible for, I think, saving a handful of lives. And then a little over a year later, he turned up dead. 
Now, the official autopsy report was gunshot wound to the head. And I I know most of this, but I didn't want to misspeak. So I looked to make sure I had it correct. His car was found in on May 8th, 1996. The car was locked. The windows were rolled up. A deputy looked inside and saw a Bible, an empty gun holster, a razor blade, and a large amount of blood. His body was found a mile or a half a mile away. The medical examiner's report noted multiple superficial incised wounds to his wrists, neck, and his inner crook of his arm. So he had been cut open multiple times in multiple areas where you can bleed out. Although there was no autopsy, the report listed probable cause of death as gunshot wound to the head. So, just that, if you just take that alone, never mind the fact that this guy was extremely physically fit, muscular, high endurance. Everybody that knew him said he wasn't suicidal. He would have had to have cut his own wrists, arms, and neck with razor blades, bled heavily in his car, enough that it pooled in his vehicle and then walked or ran about a half a mile into either a field or a grove of trees where he would have then shot himself in the head as somebody that has seen suicides and has seen people cut their arms wrists legs necks etc i am telling you that doesn't happen when you do a little digging, you understand that he had basically been conducting his own investigation into the bombing for about a year. And a lot of the things he was finding didn't make sense. He was due to receive the Medal of Valor. And then this happened. What did he really know? See, that's what the question is. All these people turn up missing or they turn up Oh, this was an accident. Oh, you know, just look at, just go research it. Do your own. That's what I did. I didn't just know these things. I studied it. And then my real is my common sense said that doesn't add up that right there. Tell me how, how else that would make sense. It doesn't make sense. And that's why you absolutely have to do your own research you know it's it's one of those things where you can't rely on what they tell you like i said a minute ago at face value especially when it comes to stuff like this there's always inconsistencies with the story that you're being told yeah and whether it's the oklahoma bombing or 9-11 or even you know uh all the way back to uh, we you mentioned it off camera so we might as well get into it pearl harbor you know, there's there's people that claim that Pearl Harbor, uh, we knew about that in advance. Yeah. And and I, I got to tell you, I firmly believe that we did too because <laughs> anybody with a brain that knows how the war machine works knows that the ultimate moneymaker in the world is war. So why wouldn't we want to get in the middle of World War II? We are nowadays preconditioned to just know like, as a casual fact, like, oh, the defense industry is the big money maker. You know, the military industrial complex, as they say. However, in the 30s, that wasn't the case. 
if you just look a couple pages past the history book, you'll see like if there was a poll, like a nationwide poll conducted about one year before the United States entered the war. And with all this centric focus in Europe at the time, and it was should the United States get in to the European theater, if you will, and, and combat Germany with its allies of France and the United Kingdom, etc. And it was like an overwhelming 96% of the country said, absolutely not. No way. It's not our battle. We don't need to be there. Forget that. I have always been a firm believer of the advanced theory of they knew Japan was plotting something and planning something and we just did nothing to stop it so that they would have an open door to enter the war and do as they pleased. Because everybody knows the rest of the story after Pearl Harbor. The United States enters the war. All these jobs go to producing for the armies and the navies and the military and we're churning out all this new stuff and all these people are working and all these people are enlisting and all this and it's creating all this money and it's in turn making the United States a bigger power and then we know what happens in 1945 with the bomb and the introduction of the nuclear age from there on but how did you get there because you couldn't just go to Congress in January of 1941 and say, hey, I think we should go do this or this might happen if we don't. No. And then you see the same thing in 2001. What happens when the towers got hit? America was truly united. Really, they were. I can remember it. I know you're a little younger than me, but I can remember every house on every street had an American flag hanging out their window. I don't care if you were a Democrat, a Republican, or anything in between. Nobody thought about that. They all just thought about being Americans and united. And the government used that to their advantage because then Bush was able to say, hey, I want to go look at these guys. I want to go find out they did it, blah, blah, blah. They've got weapons of mass destruction. They do? Go take care of it. We won't stand in your way. If they did this to us, let's do this to them. And now we have things like the Patriot Act. And we have agencies like the NSA. And we have Homeland Security and all these things. And you can't look at your phone. Or you can't even talk about buying a toaster without seeing an ad for a toaster five minutes later on your phone. People, how do you think that came to be? Because when we said yes to all that other stuff, we also gave up everything as far as our privacy goes. And that's why what used to be just an Orwellian theory from the book 1984 is really true now. Big Brother really is watching us. They're listening. They know everything. There's nothing to hide. It is what it is. It's how far in you dig to how far you understand. The Big Brother is absolutely real. I mean, it like I said, you not only you don't even have to Google anything. Your phone just listens to you. If if we're talking about you know uh, 
like you you said a toaster i mean absolutely i i guarantee you tonight if one of us sees a toaster ad on our phone yeah. it's because the microphones are listening to us talk yeah. about it and it happens all the time and it's it's you know like i said the the patriarch and it, it goes even deeper than that you know there's there's uh government insiders and sources and stuff within the cia that claim that not only is it just big brother and they listen to you and stuff like that but they have almost a complete virtual version of every person in America mm-hmm. on the internet. Like, that is literally you in the virtual realm that, that knows what you like to eat, knows how you like to think, knows what you do in your spare time. Uh, I believe there was even a Netflix documentary um, on this a couple years ago. I, I'm blanking on the name of... The documentary, but it it kind of tapped into that and and opened people's eyes up to it, and that goes into you know these elites, this Illuminati cabal, whatever you want to call them. I've said it a million times. They have to tell you what they're doing. It is in their religious beliefs that they have to tell you what they are up to, but they're never going to do it right in your face. They're always going to do it in a roundabout way. They use Hollywood to do it. They, they'll they put it on a logo of something else. I mean, the all-seeing eye is on the U.S. dollar bill. You know, I mean, like, and I've, if, if the Illuminati is just a myth, then why is the logo for it on the U.S. dollar bill? Why is it forefront on the currency that we use? I mean, that documentary, for all we know, they released that documentary to tell everybody, hey, we have a Big Brother system, an AI version of you out there on the internet, but, oh, this this documentary is nothing more than a conspiracy theory, so don't really worry about it. Everybody's digital footprint is out there. And you see... <clears throat> the average person probably has nothing to worry about. The average person shops on Amazon, whatever. I myself, with all my years of experience with law enforcement, things like that, I don't even know that I've ever actually been on what they call the dark web. Uh, If I did, I stumbled on it by pure accident. You know, but I don't need the dark web to find out this stuff. I did, like I keep preaching, I do my own research. Use common sense. You know, I saw a meme a few years back that was funny. It showed a picture of a lady from the 1960s and she was like, oh, I better not talk too loud. The government might have wiretapped my phone. And then it shows modern day where the, the the lady's in her kitchen. She's like, hey, government, do you have a recipe for pancakes? Talking to her Alexa. And that's like, nobody really cares, you know? Like, they've done tests with those things. Where they've asked them questions about the CIA and and certain things and stuff. And they'll shut off. They'll tell you that they aren't allowed to speak. And they will shut down and not come back on. So what does that, t- you know, like, what does that say? You know, and then you, you talk about, you know, the elitists and the the hidden elite underworld. You know, a, a fact that you may not even know, like a lot of people talk about Freemasonry. I'm a Freemason. I've been a Freemason for 13 years. Um <clears throat> Outside of the very historical aspect of it, which is why I got into it, 
I have never seen anything crazy like that. And that's actually that's an inch. I did not know you were a Freemason, and that is actually very interesting. Um, and I'm not shocked that you say you've never seen anything outside of the normal because there's there's actually uh, some pretty renowned Freemasons that you can look up where they they make it all the way to the highest level that is known. It's what? Level, what, 22 or 23? What is the highest? <clears throat> so the degree thing, it's it's degrees and, and without... And it's not necessarily that I'm hiding secrets that you're not allowed to talk about. It's more like a, it's just an understanding of, you know, centuries-old traditions. But to broad sense, it, it's degrees and... There's three degrees that you'd have to take to become a ma- what they call a master mason, and then your the higher level degrees and stuff are tied to other things like uh, the York right, the Scottish right, things like that. Uh, Shriners are masons, you know. That's all secondary things you can become after you become what they call a master mason. I'm actually a, what they call a past master, which is somebody that's earned the title of master of their lodge. Um, I did that in my 20s. You know, some guys don't do that till very older in life. Um, and something I'm actually proud of. But, you know, I think a lot of stuff like Freemasonry, um, Knights of Columbus, different organizations get kind of thrown into the mix of like, oh, they had something to do with this too. Because when you talk about famous Freemasons, like everybody can know, like George Washington was a, a Freemason. Yeah. A lot of presidents were a lot of senators, stuff like that. That's one thing, you know, as we go through the annals of history in America, you can be something and also be something else. Yeah. And the point that I was going to make is there's a lot of Freemasons who, especially modern ones, you know, who claim, Oh, I'm, I'm at the highest level of Freemason or the highest degree of Freemasonry that you can get to. And I've never seen anything weird or out of place. And then there's other uh, people who have claimed to have been in the Freemason society who say there are degrees above the highest degree that is public knowledge, but you have to be specially invited to those degrees, to those levels you have to be approached, you have to be invited, and you have to do certain things to get into them. And that's where, you know, it starts taking a dark turn. And so, like, it's a simple way to compare it would almost be like, you know, in all my years of dealing with drug users, there's people that could just smoke weed and they could just smoke pot and they're fine. And everybody smokes pot. And it's kind of the same generalized experience. Then you have people that wander down another path. You have the people that get introduced by somebody else to meth or cocaine or pills or whatever it may be. And from there they can split off into now they're in that group. You know. And I use that because I drugs are a bad, evil thing. I tell people that all the time. I've seen what they do to ruin people's lives. So when I'm talking about evil, I'm talking about you can be one thing and turn into something else. And I think that's what we have with a lot of these 
secret society type things is you may have been a Freemason, but maybe it's your connections to XYZ that gets you introduced to your Skull and Bones, your Bohemian Grove, your Club of Rome, the ones that people hear about but know nothing about. Yeah, and Bohemian Grove is probably the the most famous of what you just mentioned probably the one that maybe maybe not they don't know the name of it but they've they've heard about it in mm-hmm. a sense you know the people that aren't that into this realm of thinking like you and me because it has been in certain shows it's been in movies house of cards is a very famous example yes, um it wasn't called bohemian grove and house of cards i believe they called it elysian fields but it was very much bohemian grove uh-huh. this group where they would and it was all these elitist politicians and actors and just high-end elites that would go out and they do these fire almost satanic rituals um worshiping uh you know the devil or moloch is i you know the giant owl uh demon i know exactly what you're talking about and it's it's just like it's just odd, you know. And anybody that that wants to try to defend that, it's like what are what are you actually defending? You you and I've had people. I've honestly had the debate with people that are like, oh well, maybe that's just what they do. And I'm like, no, that's not what normal people do. You don't just go out and do satanic fire rituals to giant demon owl deities. Like, there is a reason they're doing this. They have a belief system. They they have their own dark religious beliefs. And this group of elites, this cult, if you will, that I believe is not just the Freemasons or any of the other ones, it's the absolute highest levels and maybe some of the lower ones that are being picked from these different societies and being brought into the overall club, which would be the Illuminati or the Cabal or the Deep State or whatever you want to call it. Well, so I truly believe it's a little threefold. One, it's almost who you know. So it's it's certain families. Uh, you know, when people talk about the Rothschilds, but the Bush dynasty, uh, and I'm not going to just sit here and name all families, but it's definitely connections to your blood and your legacy. It's your position or where they can see you being. And it's what you're willing to do. And and that is some very dark stuff, unfortunately. And let's think about it. If you take a group of 20 people and you say, hey, you're all potential we'll just use as a random example here you're all actors but we can make one of you a megastar one of you will have everything you want glory fame etc 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 but you have to do this and this and this and without getting into too much detail this this and this involves some of the most heinous, vile, evil things that the human mind can think of. 19 of those people probably say, "Mm, I'm good where I'm at. I'm not morally, I'm not that morally corrupt. 
one person is going to always be willing to go that mile. And those one people are the people that we see that lead these charges. You know, you mentioned that House of Cards episode with Elysian Fields. I remember that. And I remember watching that thinking to myself, who wouldn't see this and wonder how they got that? You, The connections are already there. You just mentioned earlier, like, they have to tell you. They have to reveal. And they do. And they do it through things like TV, movies, music, the government, logos, branding. It's all incognito, but it's all right in front of you. It, it absolutely is. Um, and, you know, Bohemian Grove is not even a, uh, it's not even a theory anymore. I mean, like, I, now I don't believe that they still go to Bohemian Grove because it's now been proven to mm-hmm. be this real place. I think that Bohemian Grove is kind of in the sense, uh, in the same realm as like Area 51 now, where yeah. now that it's public knowledge, they don't really touch it anymore. It's kind of like something from a bygone era. You know, that like, oh, well, yeah, still talk about Area 51 and still believe aliens are there or still believe that, you know, Bohemian Grove is a thing, even though it's, we don't use that location anymore because right. it's public knowledge now. We're doing the same stuff. We're just doing it somewhere else. Exactly. And and I believe that, like, you can't tell me that there isn't multiple other islands like Epstein Island. That's not the only island. And... That is another prime example of you want to talk about the blackmail stuff. Epstein Island 100% was an island where they would do things to these celebrities just to get blackmail on them so they can control them. It absolutely was because it's now coming out more. People are starting to learn or question that he was allegedly a Mossad agent for the Israeli government. And why wouldn't you do that? It's a perfect front. If you're, I mean, let's not take away that he was a pedophile, but the government has used more than one piece of crap to get over their plan. And it's not just the American government. The the Europe, Every European country's done it. Every Asian country's done it. Every country in the world will use people. I mean, the term CI means criminal informant. Well, how do you think that is? That's somebody that's obviously done something that you use to catch a bigger fish. So if Jeffrey Epstein's this rich playboy, you know, socialite who also happens to be a pedophile, and he's running this island of shenanigans of pedophilia and molesting and whatever, and you can rope in a lot of other fish that you can then use later on the blackmail, Okay, deal. You know, I look at, here's another one that, you know, why are we giving all this money to the Ukraine? People question that. Not everybody. Half the people just believe what they hear. And they think that, you know, oh, well, it's a war and we got to help them. We don't want Russia to win and blah, blah, blah. And does anybody question all the ties that Joe Biden already had to the Ukrainian government? You don't think that they had something on them? You think that's why they wanted to vanquish Trump that quickly? And this has nothing to do with like supporting Trump. Trump has all his uh, multiple faults. Too many to list. But if you want to like question one, why wouldn't you question the other? 
especially when one is a little more evident than the other. And, right. and the Biden stuff, without going into politics too much, is, in my opinion, far more evident than the Trump stuff. Like, they already tried to get Trump with the Russia collusion, and every time they've tried it has been disproven. It, nothing of it has ever held up in court, whereas there's been evidence of Biden's collusion with Ukraine. It's just no one is willing to bring it to the courts to talk about it. And look how much money has been given to the Ukraine as a result of all this. Look how much we just continue to funnel and funnel and funnel, and he's able to just make it happen. People used to joke, like, hey, you know, like, don't trust old rich politicians. Well, there's a reason that that became like an expression. Because old rich politicians are the most crooked people in the world. And he's the oldest and one of the richest. You know? So, like, why wouldn't you think for a second, like, hmm, maybe he is corrupt. Like, I get it. If he was the alternative and you didn't want to vote for one guy over the other and without getting too far into politics, that's one thing. But don't sit there and and pretend like nothing is afoot. Because everything always is, you know, like, how did we get here? Bush was a Republican, if you want to argue political lines. And I believe he was as crooked as the day is long. Well, I've always said there's, there is no Democrat or Republican parties to me. I, I think that the two party system is a total scam. I think that there, if there is two parties, it's not Republican and Democrat. It's you're either in the club or you're not in the club. Absolutely. And the club revolves around both Democrats and Republicans. And I've said that for a few years now, and I've had this conversation with my wife. Like, if people just stop and they take social media out of it, you'll understand that these people are all on the same page. Just look at, watch C-SPAN. Watch when they're sitting there voting on bills and stuff and you can see like the far, you know, the darlings of the Republican Party going against like the squad, but they're all in there hobnobbing and ha 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 ha, just laughing and high-fiving and just chit-chatting up. You really think they really hate each other? Come on. Come on. No. The ones that they hate are the ones they can't control. And the ones they can't control are the ones that try to be genuine and not crooked. And that's those people are few and far between. And usually those people are gotten rid of pretty quickly, like uh, JFK, for instance. You know, another false flag operation that we can touch on briefly is, uh, you know, the Bay of Pigs. Uh, the instance where they, our government wanted to take out Castro and they had this whole plan in motion to do so. And JFK, who I believe was not in the club and was a very genuine human being, probably one of the greatest presidents we've ever had, stopped it. He was like, this is insane. We can't do this. We can't kill our own people just because you want to go and kill this Castro guy. You're out of your mind. Well, what happened to John F. Kennedy? He he had his brains blown out. He was killed. And that is another major 
you know, operation where I think that much like 9-11, it's becoming more and more apparent and more people are talking about it in the mainstream media even that JFK was killed by our own people. Ever since I was a kid, I was fascinated with the JFK assassination. 2016, I was at a work conference in Fort Worth and we spent a day in Dallas and I got to see the uh, assassination site, the museum. I've been there myself. The buildings Very and stuff. And I'm telling you, if you, again, use logic, use common sense, listen to some of the outs, what's considered the outside theories, and, and then tell me that that matches the official narrative. I know from my own experience as a police officer and knowing how firearms work, there is no way that that all came from one guy in a third, whatever story window it was, I believe it was a third story window, but from where that building sits to where those X's are marked on the road and what you watch in the footage. No, you're not fooling me. And JFK had integrity. Did he maybe mess around with Marilyn Monroe? Whatever. Who cares? That's his business. That has nothing to do with the government, though. And I do believe he stood in the way of his own government. I do believe that he stood in the way of the CIA, and they said, you gotta go. And now, again, like we just talked about, what was once this, you know, clandestine, kooky, like, don't talk about it type theory... Now it's almost like it's just like common knowledge and people just accept it and nobody really questions it though. That's the thing. Like they're just like, oh yeah, well maybe they did. Yeah, and, and that that in itself irritates me where, you know, you, you talk to these people and are like, Oh yeah, well, you know, our government probably did kill him and I'm like and you're sitting here as if you're just okay with that. That's just it. like that's like that's like a normal thing. Yeah. Like do you realize what you're actually saying? You're saying that you're basically admitting our own government lied to you and everybody else in the country about the death of one of the greatest presidents we've ever had, and they themselves killed him, and you're just like, yeah, that's whatever. You know, Let alone happened. the fact that, is he one of the greatest, but that he was the president. Yeah, no. Stop he, and break that down. He was the he was the active president. So he's the president of the United States of America and they just got rid of him like And you're okay with that? Do you think for one second that if it came down to it, they couldn't just make you or me or any average Joe poof gone? A lot of these things you people that you see in movies with how people all of a sudden mysteriously pass away. Come on. Come on. And you're going to tell me that in that family, he dies, then a few years later his brother dies, and then what was even almost 30 years after that, his son dies in a mysterious, awkward plane crash. Like, what did they know or what were they about to say? You know, like, I find Robert F. Kennedy Jr., who's running for president right now, very interesting. 
He's very interesting. And and again, you to bring up your point about, you know, the the dark cloud over this family, well, why is there almost no backing for Kennedy in this upcoming election. I mean, he was basically told by the Democratic Party, like, no, you're not allowed to run for us. He basically, he has to run as an independent, almost. Yeah. And and he's not going to win as an independent, because nobody ever does. But you would think that JFK being probably the, the, the greatest Democratic president, you know, from that ticket ever... Why wouldn't the Democratic Party back another Kennedy? They want to put this this message out there that like, oh, JFK was so amazing. Okay, well then why aren't you backing the current Kennedy that wants to run under your ticket? And see, this is where I get kind of funny with it because they want to pretend and they, they preach to you, you know, like the anti-Trump people say, well, he's going to do this and he's going to tell that. He already had a chance to blow the lid off of everything and he didn't. So he's not going to do that. To me, that says that he's playing ball with somebody. On the other hand, I thought as soon as I started looking more into it, I was like, RFK might actually go in there and blow the lid off of a lot of things. He's already started to with JFK. I mean, he on the on Joe Rogan's podcast basically said out loud publicly. Yeah, our government killed my uncle. Yeah. I mean, he, he with with no hesitation, made that comment. So, which, that's what, you think they're going to back somebody that's out there saying, like... And why did his, and his dad was running for president in 68. Mm-hmm. You, you just think some random guy that was just all of a sudden mad was, like, just going to run up to him and get that clean of a good shot to kill him? And again, going back to, you know, the story, everybody saw the thing, you know, like I remember 99 when his son crashed that plane off Martha's Vineyard or whatever. That was a big deal. But you look back at it now, it's like, okay, there is such things as bad luck and dark clouds, but come on. You're telling me the father, the uncle, and the son all over a a period of 30 years, like, that's not systematic bad luck. That's systematic targeting. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they could say whatever they want. And and JFK, you know, like the question of, of why they they took him out. It, I think it has more to do than just the, the Bay of Pigs and the Castro incident. You know, it's widely well known that JFK wanted to abolish the Fed, which the 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 government does not want because the fed is how they control almost all of the banking systems and they how they make all their money and jfk wanting to get rid of the fed was a massive no-no he wanted to get rid of the cia as well he also wanted to get rid of the cia because he knew that the cia had their hands in some very very bad cookie jars Mm -hmm. yeah it goes all this stuff goes farther back than just the 60s and it goes farther back than the 40s it just if people just do a little bit of research like i said i keep preaching it i sound like a broken record i know i do but it's just a little bit of research like i'll give you another one i'll give you uh the titanic look at the people that were on the titanic 
the richest men in the world at the time. Guggenheim, Astor, and I'm forgetting a couple of the other ones. Stop and go and see what the common correlating factor between all those men was. It's not that they were loaded. It's that they all opposed a certain aspect. I believe it was the creation of the Federal Reserve. I'm not looking at my notes. I'm not looking at facts right now. So I'm, I'm going more off my pure memory. But they all opposed the Federal Reserve. The one guy that didn't was J.P. Morgan. J.P. Morgan had a lot of control over a lot of other things. And so these guys that stand in his way have a lot of money. A lot of backing themselves. And then they all just happen to be on this one unsinkable ship. Yeah. Well, and also, you know, and, and honestly, the Titanic is something we could dive into and give a whole episode in itself. But, you know, there are the theories out there that the ships were actually swapped. Yeah. Um, that the the company that created the Titanic, and this is actually provable, they they had another ship. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I'm not looking at my notes either, so I, I can't remember the name of it the was other the, ship. Uh the Olympic. That's yep, the yep. Olympic. And that is the insurance fraud conspiracy. Yes, and that the other one had already been, I think, crashed or something had happened to it. Yep, and, and they it were was, wanting to cash in. It was the other, the Olympic. It was actually, it was set to be taken apart. It was not going to be used anymore. And, um, but it was almost identical to the Titanic. Mm-hmm. Like you couldn't tell a difference yeah. in the two ships. So they're saying that the like the night before the Titanic was supposed to depart, they moved the Titanic to where the Olympic was and swapped the two ships. And I believe it was it was Morgan who was supposed to be on the Titanic, but the day of the Titanic departing bailed and did not get on the ship and leave with the rest of everybody else and we we know the rest of the story from there you know the ship goes out and it don't come back yeah again you know a lot of factors could there's always the aspect of could that really have happened could they have just been trying to you know hurry up and set speed records and do this and blah 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 and then they just happen to hit this iceberg Maybe. But when you start to think about a lot of other things and how things played into this and this person and that person, and then it goes into everything else we've talked about already. You know, you start to just take the players out and you start to evaluate the game. And that's where the questions come in and stuff. And again, in all my years as a, as a police officer have taught me to always question and always be up, always have your guard up. Always be cognizant of your surroundings. You know, my called situational awareness. And I use it all the time in my own personal life. I use it, you know, I, I've, I use social media just like everybody else. I'm not going to sit here and say I don't. I use it tons. Um, but I definitely always think outside the box for everything I see. And it's the right wing media. It's the left wing media. It's the media period, people. It's just they pander to their base. And, and as far as social media goes, um, 
it, it definitely, it has its negatives, but then it also has its positives too. You know, it's like the mainstream media is so unreliable and you can't trust that almost at all. So you go over to social media and yeah, any, any schmo with a tinfoil hat can post something out there like it's factual and try to get people to believe it. But then in the midst of all that, Social media also allows people who were really in these situations or really might have insight to come out and say things in the middle of all this and give actual intel. Mm -hmm. So you, you just have to know how to navigate it and you have to learn which sources to trust and which sources to maybe do a little bit more research on. Mm-hmm. And I agree. And I follow a lot of the same sources that you probably do. And it does. It keeps your eyes open. Sometimes I read things, I'm like, I didn't even know that. I'm glad I do now. Because at any given point, something might happen. And you're going to take your eye off the ball because it's what I call... A lot of people call it false flags. I've always referred to it as sleight of hand. It's the old sleight of hand trick. You know, you talked about the missing money days before 9-11, and then 9-11 happens. Well, why is nobody looking at the missing money? Because they're not thinking about that anymore. They're looking over here. They're thinking about what just happened. You know, just stop and think. Every time there's something that goes on, whether it's the Boston Marathon shooting or the Aurora nightclub or the thing in Vegas, you know, I do. These are real events. I'm not of that opinion that somebody's like playing and these are all actors that are following a script. Absolutely not. They real people are being affected by these situations and it's absolutely horrific. And the scariest thing about it though, is the, the people in charge of orchestrating these situations don't care about the average pawn in their eyes that's going to be sacrificed in these situations. Right. It's a lot of utilization of just people and their state of mind and things like that. And then everybody else suffers, whether it's school children or whether it's patrons in a grocery store, people at a movie theater, whatever it is, you have to just kind of question, you know, is it more like, cause I've, I've tried to look at it with a transparent lens all the time. Is it more that these things have happened and we just see it more because of social media and phones and how everything can be so up close or is it more because it's a convenient way for you know, whenever something's happening, it always seems like something like that happens. Whether it's a major thing or whether it's a smaller thing. And it's not always a shooting or something. It, it can be, you know, disasters. It can be other things. It's like, it's whatever takes your eye off the ball. And it's the question that you have to ask is, okay, who's really behind? Like, wh what's pulling the strings? Yeah. Who's and those are the people that you want to look at and in question. Yeah, who's doing, you said sleight of hand, who's doing the card trick? Who right. is the magician here? Who is the magician? Yes, exactly. I remember 
about 10 years ago, I think now, when Ebola, there was a couple of cases of Ebola, the outbreak here in America. Uh, and I don't think the number was that high. And I remember thinking to myself, by God, they're treating this like it's the movie Outbreak. At the same time, there was a lot of stuff going on with Russia and Crimea and ISIS and things like that. And it I, it just was clear as day to me. I was like, they're using this little Ebola outbreak thing to get everybody's attention off of the Obama's administration's handling of all that other stuff going on over there. Like, I was like, how do you not see this? And I said then, you know, and I remembered I th- there was that movie Contagion had come out right around that time or a few years prior. And I kept saying, I was like, that's something down the road to watch for is any kind of illness could be used to just create mass panic. And then you jump ahead to 2020. And you jump ahead to 2020. I remember hearing about COVID in late 19, reading just little blip articles on like Yahoo. And I would remember going to work telling people like, hey, watch, this is going to be something big. And then all of a sudden it was in Europe. And then all of a sudden Ireland and the United Kingdom and France and all these countries are locking down. And they've got this drone footage of Wuhan, which is like 12 million people. It's empty. And then it was here. And all of a sudden, all that stuff that happened, they don't care. They want, they, the mass riots and all that other stuff, everything was almost like distractionary. And we do not yet know all the way why these things were distractions. We do know that a lot of us had our lives changed permanently. We lost loved ones, people that we can't get back. I had COVID. Three times. I've also had the shot. I haven't had COVID since I, like 2021 or something. Yeah, late 2021. I've had the flu in my life. I've had various illnesses. COVID was like a really bad cold. But to me, what was awkward about it was the after effects. A lot of what happened to me, made me question as I looked back going, that's not normal. And I remember, and everybody remembers, that a lot of people questioned, hey, this come from a lab. No, it didn't. And now we all know it did. Man-made. Gets out. Here we are. 2020 was a year of a lot of distractions. Whether it was to neutralize for politics and presidencies and whatever or something more sinister we just don't know yet and it's all about doing your research yep and research it goes back to it and hopefully hopefully something like that doesn't happen again in 2024 um i unfortunately think that something like that probably will happen again this year being an election year and an election of this caliber. I mean, many people believe that it's one of the most important elections of our lifetime. And that that term's been thrown around a lot 
over past elections, but there is something about this one that actually makes me believe that it very well could be one of the most important elections of our lifetime. Um, it's definitely going to set the stage for how the world either crumbles or rises from the ashes in the next decade. And I hope that us as a civilization in a society, uh, can come together and, you know, make the right choice and basically say, uh, screw the people pulling the card trick. Let's, let's just knock the cards out of the hand completely and just do what we think is right for the betterment of the world. I just don't know if there's enough people out there like us that are open-minded enough to do it yet. There's so much open-mindedness, but there's so much divide. Like It's almost like everybody enjoys just fighting. And because of that, there's sleight of hand. They're distracted. They're not thinking about that. They're thinking about arguing with Twitter user one nine over stupid stuff and like left versus right. Like that's what they want. You know, there's talk of a black swan event in 2024. If you don't know what that is up until about a week ago, I didn't know what that was. That is a term used for like something just major. A major natural disaster, a major some kind of event with just riptide catastrophic ramifications. I.e. COVID. I.e. 9-11. How do I know this? Because one of the former top intelligence officials fears that that's going to happen. And they said this on Meet the Press. Which if you're average listener unfamiliar with is one of the top political shows in this country and has been for like I don't know forever so this isn't just some hubaloo on the back woods of the internet this is somebody with like bona fide certified Langley knowledge telling you like hey you know I kind of worry about this yeah and I hope that's not the case um, I hope that we don't we don't get to that point, you know, it, it would not shock me if we do. And I hope that if we do get there, everybody can kind of stand together and face it together. Kind of like what happened post nine 11, where you said it, it, it brought people together instead of divided them. Yeah. Um, and that really is the only way that's, we're going to get, that's the only way we're going to get through it is if whatever event happens, if it brings us closer together as a society instead of divides us even further apart. So I don't want any major event like that to happen. I, 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 I don't think anybody does, but if one does happen, hopefully it's something that can unite people and not divide people anymore to, you know, go down the road of potential civil war to or whatever you know you have you i play devil's advocate a lot but even i have gotten to the point where i wonder would it be something that unites us and brings the term united gives it true meaning or is it going to be just another thing where it happens and instead of coming together and figuring out and banding they just want to blame one side or the other. Because this is not 2001 anymore. This is a very different United States than it was, you know, and 20 plus years ago. And it's beyond politics. Like, so I don't want people to think I'm arguing 
for one side or the other. Quite frankly, I don't care about that. What I care about is it's like everybody just wants to argue about everything. And it's almost like the powers that we talk about behind the scenes. That's what they want. That's their constant sleight of hand. When you control the people, forget the media, forget, you know, this. The people is in this country, in our system, you have to control the people. Because if you don't, we, the people, no pun intended, or pun intended actually, will rise up. And our constitutional republic was designed by our founding fathers for that to happen. If tyranny got in the way, we're structured that we can remove tyranny. George Washington could have easily taken over and just said, mm, I'm going to be president until I feel like it. But he had the forethought to say, no, you have to have limited government. But what are we, 250 plus years of toxic water, corruption in the swamp, as they say, or, and on both sides, again, let me be clear. Yeah, greed doesn't go away. There's always going to be people that want greed, the power. Greed and envy and sin that run rampant yeah. are not red. They're not blue. No, like I said, the two-party system is very easy. It is, you're either in the club or you're not in the club and all of that stuff is it's it's such a dark rabbit hole to get down and it's almost impossible to avoid it now it's in the forefront of everything you know and i myself find i I get tired of of turning the phone on and seeing it because once you've been red pilled um to the way the world actually is it's almost impossible to look at it through normal eyes anymore yeah and I get so exhausted of seeing something on the news and then questioning, well, what does it actually mean or who's in charge of it? And then I, I'm like, God, can't I just go back to the days of just being someone who the, the, the epitome of my conspiracy theory is just watching Bigfoot videos? You know, like I miss those days. The Loch Ness Monster. You know, yeah. Let's talk about the Loch Ness Monster again and Where let's go back D. to D. simpler Cooper times. Really go? You know, um, and that's why I, I want to, I want to do this show and, and hit on all aspects and we'll, we'll end with something a little more fun here, bringing up things like Bigfoot, Loch Ness Monster and that stuff. You being, uh, in law enforcement or a police officer, I got to ask you, um, whether you or somebody that you know, what is the, the creepiest or most unexplainable situation that you have been in or on call for or somebody that you know of has been on call for that you're just like, ah, that was weird. I would say, so you know me and you know that I was gone in Kansas City for a while the last couple of years. And when I was out there, I was uh, tied to the University of Kansas Medical Center in Kansas City. And for those of you that are unfamiliar, the University of Kansas Medical Center is exactly what it is. It's a, it's a giant, massive hospital tied to the University of Kansas's doctor, nursing schools, all that. A lot of those buildings are very modern, very cosmopolitan, very nice. A lot of the university side 
is the old original hospital that dates back in some instances 90 100 or more years so when i got out there i was told a lot of little stories but i was also told like uh you know bump in the night you don't have to worry about that you don't work nights well then i did start working nights and i can tell you from personal experience that when you went over there if especially it was like after midnight into these old areas and we're talking buildings like yeah they have offices or whatever but some of that stuff is now you know areas where god knows how many people might have just passed away or whatever i have never seen more bizarre things i would see doors move open that should not move open i'm talking heavy doors doors that like have a power lock that you push would I see this? No. But would I hear this? Yes. I would see those types of doors slam. Hear it. Kush. Knowing that, hey, I checked that area an hour ago. There's nobody around. That was locked. That was shut. Um, They had a particular area where it was actually a museum. And in that museum um, was a lot of old medical instruments and things like that. Um, a birthing chair from the 17th century, a wheelchair from like the 1920s, and all these were things that had been used. They all were part of a personal collection from a doctor that worked there who ironically committed suicide. The most creepy thing, however, was an actual human skull that was in the library of the university. And a night in the library, and it wasn't just me, it was many other officers that had been there, Things would happen in that building that you could not explain. Besides shutting doors, windows would slam. Feet. You would go around. You would know, hey, like this building's empty. We did a check on this building an hour ago. It's it's locked. But you would hear people walking around or a person walking around. You could hear voices. Chatter. So, trust me when I say, and I have more that we can always get into later on, I am a firm believer in the paranormal and the the afterlife of what may or may not happen because I've seen it. I've seen it. I've heard it. Um, as far as law enforcement specific, that for me was probably the one because that was some right up in your face type stuff. Yeah, and I myself, um, I've never had like a ghost paranormal encounter like that. Like I said, I've I've had a UFO encounter. I've never I've never had anything ghostly happen to me. I'd prefer that stay the case. I don't really want anything ghostly to happen to me. But uh, yeah, that's some weird stuff. Especially you know, saying oh we just locked this building down. Why am I hearing people walking around in here? That would have to start playing tricks on you, especially hearing doors slam shut and stuff like that. Some guys had actually seen apparitions, and they swear to it. And these are guys that had no reason to lie to me. Because in our line of work, you want to believe at all times who you're talking to. And at, even with skepticism, the other stuff I heard made me say, hey, they're probably not lying. Did I ever actually see a spirit or anything like that? No. 
the noises, the sounds, stuff like that. Yeah, plenty. Uh, what's ironic is when I actually looked it up, like to see like this place has to be listed on like a haunted. No, it wasn't. So then that makes me question if something like that that doesn't even like register on like a list of haunted places can have all that. What do these haunted places have? What do these TV shows really not show you? Yeah, what what is, um, what are they filming that they're not allowed to show? Right. You know, and and that's always you know real quick. Like, uh, I always argue with people that that watch like Sasquatch shows and stuff. They're always like, ah, oh, they never show you Bigfoot on those. I'm like, well, of course they they never show it to you, but would they even be allowed to show it to you if they actually did capture it on film? You know, I mean, cause I guarantee you there's been times where these shows have been out there and they have captured stuff on film, oh, yeah. but oh, yeah. the, the, you know, the TV stations aren't going to let you air that it there's cause they're not the ones there's people above them pulling the strings. <coughs> so, you know, it's it's very like I said, the rabbit hole's almost never ending, and you know those topics are always my favorite because they're a little less stressful to to go down the topic of the paranormal, Bigfoot, that kind of stuff. Um, I would love to have you back on. There's so many more topics that we can talk about. I know, like I said at the beginning of the show, you sent me a list of tons of things that we can discuss and really kind of dive down into to um, talk about it. I've loved having this conversation and I'd love to expand it even more because there was some topics, you know, um, that you sent over that are a little more narrow, but I think that people don't really know about like uh, bio, bio weapons and insects and stuff like that. You know, that those kind of topics I'd love to bring to the forefront, love to bring to the table and talk about. But as for today, we are officially at an hour and 30 minutes. This is the longest Crypto the Unexplained podcast we have ever done. And I got to tell you, it doesn't feel like we've been going that long at all. That's how interesting this conversation has been. So I'm just going to end by saying, hey, Jeremiah, thank you for joining me on this episode. I definitely am going to have you back. I'm sure the listeners would love to have you back. Do you have any closing remarks? It has been my pleasure, and I apologize for the cracks in my voice and the slight coughing. I Fortunately, the winter funk caught me as it's caught in so many people, so I don't sound like I normally do, but that did not stop me from providing some insight today. And as you can see, like when we get going... I mean, rabbit hole, pun intended, it definitely takes you down and you get going and you get thinking about this fact and that fact. And that's what creates the intrigue of knowing these things is the ability to talk about it and, and understand it and, and share it with people that may not know, you know, these types of things. So I look forward to the... Uh, next rendezvous absolutely it is going to be a good time as was tonight thank you ladies and gentlemen for listening to another edition of crypto the unexplained one more time you can follow us on twitter or x whatever you call it at ct the unexplained if you yourself have an encounter confession story that you would like to share and potentially be on the show gmail me or email me at 
CryptoTheUnexplained at gmail.com. Tell me your story, and perhaps we can get you to call in and tell the world what you have seen. Keep your eyes on the sky, your nose down the rabbit hole, and I will see you next time.